Uh, he says here in Romans 1 verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of the good news of God, which God promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, in verse 4 now, and declared to be, shown to be, proven to be, the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. When Jesus came forth from that tomb alive, he showed everybody that he is truly from God, doing God's work, doing God's will. In fact, he showed everybody he is the Son of God. The Son of God having power. The power of Almighty God himself. And that's all good news. Okay, secondly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ means, number two, it means that our sins are forgiven. It means that we can know that our sins are are forgiven. We can have the peace, the assurance, the confidence that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, who is the risen Lord, who is truly the Son of God, that our sins are forgiven. And I do have one reference listed here, if you will. Just go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is known as the Great Resurrection chapter where the Apostle Paul addresses this this, uh, very important subject of the resurrection. And I believe Paul does it because he got wind of the fact that in Corinth there were some people who said, oh, there's no such thing as the resurrection. There's no such thing as dead people rising. There's no such thing as dead people coming back to life. It's impossible. It can't happen. So when Paul got wind of that, (laughs) Paul was quite upset. He said, wait a minute, wait. If you're saying there's no such thing as the resurrection then that means Jesus could not have been raised from the dead. And Paul goes on to argue that if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we're all still in our sins. We're still liable before a holy God for all of our sins that we've committed. So, if you will, let's notice the text here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? See, the, 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 the Christian message from the very beginning was that Jesus died for us and that he was raised from the dead. That was what the apostles said right from the very beginning. So if that's the Christian message, Jesus died and has been raised from the dead, how is it that some people in Corinth are starting to say, oh, there's no such thing as resurrection. No such thing as resurrection of the dead. So Paul is not happy with that false uh, belief that's going on. So he says in verse 13, But if there is, now this is the, the consequences of no resurrection, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain. In other words, our preaching is empty. And your faith is also vain or empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Jesus, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. So you see what Paul is saying here? There's profound consequences if Jesus was not raised from the dead. Uh, he's, he's admitting that his preaching would just be false and fake and vain. Because we've been preaching Christ has been raised up and if Christ is not raised up, we're, we're just false witnesses. We've, we've told lies. And if Christ has not been raised up, not only is our preaching vain, but our faith in Christ is vain. It's worthless, it's pointless, it's useless. Verse 16, For if the dead do not rise up, then Christ is not risen. 
And the reason for this is Christ is the first one to rise from the dead, never ever to die again, and the resurrection of Jesus guarantees our resurrection. So in verse 17 he says, And if Christ is not risen, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. In other words, we're all still liable for our sins before a holy God. We're going to face the judgment of God for our sins if Christ is not risen. But the good news is, Christ is risen. He is the Son of God. And we know because Jesus came back from the dead that the dying of Jesus was not just the dying of a mere mortal, ordinary man, a sinner like us. No, we know that because Jesus came back from the dead, he truly is the sinless Son of God who died for us. Thus, we have the assurance our sins are truly forgiven because of what the resurrection attests to the identity of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Number three. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, death has been defeated. Death has been overcome. Jesus has conquered death in his resurrection. Let's face it, none of us want to die. Death is our worst enemy. We've all been to the funeral home to say goodbye to loved ones. But somehow it seems like illness or sickness or accidents or disease gets all of us. And we'll all die unless Jesus comes back before we die. And so Jesus is called on two occasions, at least in the New Testament, Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead. In other words, he's the first person to die, to rise from the dead, never ever to die again. He's the preeminent one from the dead. And he sets the example. He's the one that that is, you might say, a harbinger of good things to come for us because he has overcome death. And because he's overcome death, we'll overcome death as well. I'm mindful of how Jesus uh, uh, went and raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember how he got word that his uh, good friend Lazarus is sick? Jesus, you better come real quick. Well, Jesus deliberately (laughs) dilly-dallied. He deliberately took his time, giving time for Lazarus to die. And of course, uh, when Jesus finally showed up... uh, Uh, Martha was, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, your timing isn't good. Well, for for the Lord Jesus, that's no problem. Jesus said, if you just believe, you'll see the glory of God, right? Well, they all saw the glory of God that day when, when Jesus called Lazarus forth from the tomb and he came forth. It was a great day for that family. But, you know, Lazarus eventually died. He died again. Uh, even though Lazarus was raised from the dead, he, was, he did not have a, a lifeless, eternal body. He still died. Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead, never, ever to die again. And so let's look at this passage now. We're still in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice verse 20. Chapter 15, verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead. That's the point the Apostle Paul has substantiated in this chapter, especially earlier when he's uh, mentioned all those people to whom Jesus appeared. But now Christ is risen from the dead and he's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's become the harbinger of good things for Christians who have died. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. So we can look forward to being raised from the dead at the second coming of Christ. 
For Jesus must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. And at the end of the chapter, uh, the Apostle Paul describes our own triumph over death. Uh, In verse 50 he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption, and that's what our bodies are right now, they're subject to death and decay and corruption, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. He says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet of God will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this corruptible body must put on incorruption, and this mortal, this mortal body must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So death, our worst enemy, has been defeated by Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Number four. The resurrection of Jesus means that our future is secure. It means that our future is safe. It's planned out, and it's secure. Now who's securing our future? God himself is securing our future. The Lord Jesus Christ is securing our future. Because when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we now belong to Jesus. He owns us, he claims us, he takes us for himself. We are his children. He uh, lives to shepherd our lives. He lives to be our advocate and a high priest. So I do have one reference I put down here. Philippians chapter 3. If you want to look at that, feel free to. Philippians chapter 3. Our life is truly bound up in the life of Jesus. Uh, The Apostle Paul writes here in Philippians 3, verse 20, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also, from which place we also eagerly await for the Savior. Now, why is it that we're eagerly awaiting for the Savior? Because Jesus is alive. He's, he's, He's been raised from the dead. He's been exalted to sit at the right hand of God the Father, and He's coming back. So we eagerly wait. We eagerly anticipate with great joy a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to do what when He comes back? Verse 21. Who will transform, who will change our lowly body, who will change the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to His glorious body. Our bodies will be conformed to his glorious resurrection body when he comes back. And will all be according to the working by which Jesus is able to subdue all things to himself. He's able to subdue these bodies. These bodies that, are, that sin. These bodies that are subject to disease and accidents and death. He'll be able to subdue these bodies and make them glorious like his glorious resurrection body. And mindful in, in John chapter 14 and verse 3. Uh, Jesus was talking about uh, the future and how there's going to be lots of room in his father's uh, house. And he says, I go away to prepare a place for you. And if I come again, uh, I will uh, receive you unto myself that where I am, there you shall be also. That's our future. Our future is secure because when Christ comes back, we will be with Jesus. And when we're with Jesus, we're safe. I'm mindful in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4. When Christ who is alive shall appear, then we will also appear with what? We will appear with Jesus in glory. 
And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18, when the Apostle Paul is thinking about the second coming of Jesus and how uh, the dead will be raised up and how those living will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air, then he goes on and adds these words, and so we shall forever be with the Lord. That's what makes us secure. Jesus is alive and our future is bound up in him. We will be with the Lord. And then finally for my list this morning, the resurrection means that our joy and our rejoicing has no end. Because Jesus has been raised from the dead, we have an occasion for joy in God, joy in Jesus and rejoicing that no one can take away. And uh, did I put the reference down here? Maybe I forgot. No, here it is. All right. John 16. We'll close on this passage here. John 16. And this is part of the Upper Room Discourse. Uh, Jesus is uh, meeting with his disciples and trying to prepare them for his departure. And he's letting them know that he's going away. And this is John 16 and verse 20. He says, Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament. Now why is it they're going to weep and lament? Because Jesus is going to be crucified. And when Jesus is crucified, the sheep are going to be scattered. They're going to go in all different directions. They're going to weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. Why is the world going to rejoice? Because the Messiah has been crucified. They've killed Jesus. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into what joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. So Jesus is letting his disciples know, yes, you're going to have sorrow, you're going to weep, you're going to wail. You know, I'm going to be crucified. They don't understand that yet. They can't quite figure that out yet. Uh, they don't quite understand what's going to come. But Jesus is reminding them, yes, you're going to have sorrow, and you're going to weep, and you're wail, and you're going to lament. I, I'm going to be crucified, but your, your sorrow will be turned into joy, because I will come back from the dead, and I will see you again. And then uh, Jesus adds these words here, and, and no one will take your joy from you. And why is that? Because nobody can take Jesus from us. Remember how the religious leaders conspired against Jesus and they plotted and they schemed to have him crucified? And for a moment, the religious leaders thought they were triumphant. They thought they had the best of Jesus. They got rid of Jesus. They had him nailed to the cross and put in the grave. But Jesus came back from the dead. And Jesus shows us that nobody can take him away from us. And since nobody can take Jesus away from us, nobody can take away our joy if our joy is in Jesus. Remember how the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4? What did he say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Ah, we have every reason to be joyful. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He is the Son of God. He has overcome death. Our future is secure. He's before God the Father as our advocate and intercessor and high priest, and he's coming back to rule and reign in this world. So may God fill each and every one of you with a full measure of joy and peace because you serve a risen Savior. Make sure your faith and trust is in Him and in Him alone. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this blessed Sunday morning. And every Sunday morning is a day of resurrection joy. And Lord, we thank you that your Son, He allowed Himself to be killed. He allowed Himself to be crucified. He allowed Himself to be executed. 
for us and for our sins. And Lord, we're thankful that in in power and in triumph and in victory and in glory, He came forth from the grave. And He lives forevermore to show us His love. Lord, help us to realize how well off we are in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, Lord, help us to live faithfully for You. Help us to be truly devoted Christians. Uh, Lord, help us not to just mention Your name only in passing, but Lord, help us really to believe wholeheartedly in the full power of Your name for the forgiveness of our sins and for our right standing with you. And as well for the day-to-day problems of life, Lord, help us to believe in the full power of your name. Lord, keep on transforming us, conforming us to the image of your Son, that we might be a good witness for you. Bless us this day, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, let's sing our final hymn of joy and rejoicing, 176, Christ arose, 176, and we'll sing all three stanzas, 176, and let's stand as we sing, and let's sing out with real enthusiasm, 176.